Tufty jumpsuit. How the devil are you? <laughs> I feel like I should be doing like psychedelic art paintings or something with that name. That's quite cool. You mean you're not? Well, not not publicly, not yet. Uh, well, I, how are things in Northern <laughs> Ireland? Sunny They're Northern good. Ireland. We did see the sun today. It was marvellous. It has been miserable and wet and uh, autumnal, I think is the technical term, but miserable is the rea- real term. Um, it's good. It's kind of, uh, we're meandering towards Christmas and all of the joy and happiness that that brings, as well as all the things that need to be done before then and all the misery that getting them done before then brings. And a happy new year. <laughs> I was just saying before the, we started recording as well, this is one of the scenarios that I think would give uh, your co-host Justin on your other podcast um, difficulty sleeping. Uh, it's like, okay, what if I change almost everything about the recording setup with no prior practice and only tell you as we start recording? Is that okay? <laughs> Well, well, I'll tell you what, I'll let you know, because I'm recording with Justin tomorrow. So <laughs> I'll say I recorded yesterday with TJ and he was using Ventura, New Machine, uh, all of the old audio stuff, no backup, none of that. Yep. We just sort of did it by the seat of our pants and it was fine, Justin, so I've upgraded everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm running three different devices. I've got like a little little array of screens here. I'm talking to you on the phone. I'm recording on the iPad because I don't have ferrite on the mm, the the other thing that I'll talk about later, which is very exciting. Ooh, teaser. Ooh. <laughs> I already, already, I can hear Justin. It. It's almost like he's perhaps he does live in my headphones, but <laughs> he, he's in, he's in there. Going, he's doing what? How many he's devices? Doing, sorry, it's pardon. Which, which software? <laughs> yeah, untested, untried, and in fact, mm, another synonym for what I'm doing. That's the <laughs> we we are we are without a net, ladies and gentlemen. This is the real stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got to it's uh, do it right or plummet trying. Or plummet trying. There we are. That's going to be someone's tagline, hasn't it? Anyway, enough of this nonsense. What are you writing with? Well, I'm not doing a massive amount of writing. I am, I'm doing a lot of typing, but I'm not doing a massive amount of writing. So I think I've probably used a pencil half a dozen times, maybe in the past ooh, months since we spoke properly. But the majority of my uh, elucidations have been on keyboard with uh, a new device. I'll tease it oh. again. Uh, but yeah, just typing mostly. It's one of those periods of where you're you're moving into a lot of work needs to be done a lot of things need to be done and an awful lot of it is not conducive to like oh what pen shall i use Mm, what notebook shall i have it's like no give me whatever's here it needs to be done so i did get some more index cards recently which are lovely and they're just little um graph paper one or uh, doc grid ones Mm -hmm. that i just use for sort of uh, transient notes that you sketch and then shred afterwards i try and recycle them if i can but it's mostly like i need to sketch and list of things to do i need to write fix this i need to sketch out how that looks you know just weird rubbish notes like that that don't actually go anywhere but are necessary for the thinking process very good very good well i mean those pencils aren't going to use themselves tj you're gonna have to you know get cracking eat them perhaps 
Oh my goodness, I have so many. Like that that's one of the things people don't realize is when you collect pencils for four or five years and then stop collecting them, they don't go away. And and they, they just kind of sit around and you're like, Oh yeah. Uh, it turns out sable is very true. Stash acquisition beyond life expectancy. I have probably a city's worth of life expectancy in terms of pencils, so we're 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 stacked, we're good. Dear, oh dear, oh dear, how the mighty graphite has fallen. <laughs> what about you? Uh, well, I mean, not to be outshone on the electronic front, I've been doing some writing on my Remarkable 2, the little oh. tablet-y thing, which is, um, I believe, under threat now from a new Amazon that's uh, right. Thing me job, what's it? The scribe, I saw that I advertised, yeah. Mm. I'm curious. Well, I, I, I think it's... From my point of view, it's great. The more people that come into this space, the more competitive it will be, the more they should drive each other to better performance. Um, certainly Remarkable are doing some interesting things. They're, they're going to release a sort of notes app so that you can sync from your Remarkable to your phone and all of that. I mean, you can't obviously do the writing on the screen thing on the phone, but you know what I mean. Um, so... Yeah, all to the good, all to the good. I'd say mm. the, from, it's um, it's a luxury device. I've been through this loads of times now, but it's a luxury <laughs> device. You don't need it, um, no. but if you do have a use case for it, so I use it a lot for taking notes and lectures and stuff. Um, I think it's great. I love it. I just, it's that perfect sort of blend of writing it in a notebook, but having it in a digital form that I can back mm. up, archive, and access from everywhere. So. I've uh, been using that a bit. Uh, I'm still using lots of notebooks and fountain pens and pencils, as you might expect. Um, and I'm currently in a Sailor 1911, very bright yellow little Sailor pen with a green ink called Wagner. Very, very serious grown up. Um, it's lovely. It's really nice. Uh, and notebook wise, I'm in my I'm in my podcasting notebook, which is got written on the front a quote from uh, that fellow Galileo. Uh, so here's my here's my quote of the day, way ahead of schedule. We're going to have wine is sunlight held together by water. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's not bad, yeah? I like that. Yeah. You know, he, he was quite a bright lad, that Galileo fella. Yeah. <laughs> Figaro. Had a, Figaro. Ha, ha, he had a cousin who played uh, inside half at Tottenham as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's a football joke, and I won't even pretend to know what you're talking about. I haven't got a clue either, but... You know, deliver it with enough confidence. And who knows? As, as far as I know, inside half probably went out of the common parlance in about 1950. So it's it's probably a limited audience that are going to latch okay. on to well, that one. Yeah, let us know right into the podcast. I don't know if you got that joke and if indeed it was funny, because neither of indeed. us know. <laughs> Justin Dot Twyford at. No, yeah. no. <laughs> so uh, tell me, what have you been watching? Well, I went back to a an old favorite, not quite 1950s, but it was 1970s. And mm. I watched a film that I've seen before and really enjoyed before. And I, I've kind of come around. I want to watch this, the TV series of this, but I decided to start at the beginning because it's sort of vaguely canonical, vaguely connected. And I watched Westworld 1973, uh, which is sort of the, the beginnings of that Westworld HBO series and the, the, the future world as well, which is like an 80s sequel. It's one of those fascinating things. It was written by Michael Crichton, as far as I remember, who mm -hmm. wrote about a theme park filled with robots that goes wrong. Uh, 
And then in 1993, he wrote about a theme park full of dinosaurs that goes wrong. So there's a there's a trend. Both of those are made into films, one substantially more successful than the other. Although if you count the TV show, maybe they're, they're on par now. But um, I'd watched the film years ago and really enjoyed it. And I'd watched the first season, I think, of the show and then sort of it petered out or I didn't have Sky or whatever the streaming service it was on. So I wasn't able to catch up. There's four seasons of it now, apparently. There's there's loads to catch up on. Five. But, oh, of course, of course. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I actually bought the film on Apple, iTunes, Buy Your Movies Here, whatever what's it, it is, which I've never done before uh, because it was, I think, seven pounds or something silly. And to get a Blu-ray was 15 or 12 or something like that. So it was like, well, I... I kind of want to watch it on my TV, which is Apple TV, or on my laptop, or my iPad, or anything else. So this just kind of makes sense in the short term. And then blew my mind, realized that Blu-rays aren't 4K. Just always assumed Blu-rays are 4K. I should have known this. This, you, this sounds like something categorically within my wheelhouse, and I did not know this. Wow. Yeah. I, I, yeah just to update you, season five is not coming until next year, so... Okay, so okay, good, good. I've got four seasons and another movie to catch up on in eight months with nothing else big planned for the rest of this year. Yeah, Definitely. there's nothing else going on, is there? You'll be fine. <laughs> so, no, that movie, um, I remember that. I didn't see it when it came out before any smart Alex suggests it. Um, <laughs> Yul Brynner is in it. Yeah. The, the bold fella, yeah. Yeah, and he's obviously uh, renowned for his Magnificent Seven and various. He, he's mm. done cowboy movies before. And uh, this was sort of, uh, I think, uh, maybe a little bit of like ugh, a sci-fi movie. Okay, uh, and, <laughs> and do that. It's class. It's really good. It's it's a '70s movie, right? Which it comes with the the proviso of it's a '70s movie. So if you're coming to it from some from the 21st century, I've watched more recent movies framework. There's a couple of things in it that are a bit strange or, or jarring and isn't necessarily appropriate or isn't necessarily like cohesive in terms of storytelling and a narrative. And the blood is like tomato ketchup, super red. Like there is, there is no universe in which this blood is realistic, but that's kind of the way it was. So it's a fun watch. It's one of those movies that's fun uh, because of its age instead of despite it. Uh, and yeah, as you say, Yul Brynner, he's the, the, the gunslinger, I think is his name in the, he's not named explicitly, but um, black shirt, jeans, hat, very dark, very stoic. Yeah. You know, kind of. It's the same character as he plays yeah. in, in yeah. uh, the Magnificent <laughs> Seven, pretty much. Yeah, and I think that was that was almost certainly deliberate. But it's it's fascinating, and there's so much that came out of this movie as well. Like I, I love, I, 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 you probably guessed this before. I enjoy movies for the story, but I also enjoy movies for the sort of the role they play in history, and so. Westworld has this amazing uh, sort of CG sequence, and it's the first time they use computer vision, uh, computer generated vision in the narrative storytelling, where it has this this robot vision, what he sees, and it's all infrared, and so he stands beside the the big flaming torch, and the heat from the torch sort of blows out the light, and the robot can't see him type thing, and this is all groundbreaking stuff back then in '73, mm. and it's fascinating to see where it goes from there, and then obviously you know. Westworld was Michael Crichton and then Jurassic Park 20 years later was Michael Crichton as well and there's that 
theme. You know, it's not quite the same, but it is sort of the hubris of man. And, you know, we, we built this sort of towering sort of spectacle and it all came crashing down on top of us. It, it's quite an interesting story as well. So I am really, really pleased. I'm going to watch the sequel, Future World, which I don't think I've ever seen. Um, and I think it goes a bit crazier, a bit weird and wonderful. It wasn't necessarily as good a film, but still fun to watch. And then I'll I'll get on to the series. Is, is, um, I may buy them on Apple. I may wait and watch them over Christmas with someone who has the subscription. Well, we can but see. Well, there you go. Exciting. All the Westworld. I haven't watched any of the um, uh, the new thing, the the TV thing. It's 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 another one of those where I've got on board so late or considered getting on board so late. <laughs> Oh, that's a hell of a commitment. Oh, dear. Um, yeah. It's like, a let me just watch for four weeks to get up to the point where I understand who this is. Uh, no, thank you. I'm okay. Yeah. It's, you know, when people say to me, so what do you think of Game of Thrones? Uh, great book. Um, <laughs> TV. A bit scary. Uh, so what have I been watching? Well, uh, Andor, uh, you've you've heard speak of this, yeah. the latest Star Wars spin-off-y thing. My brother Harry is a big, big fan of the the Star Wars stuff, so he's seen it or is catching up on as whatever is out of it as we record. He has seen it. Um, it sounds good. I have not watched past Book of Boba Fett, so I haven't watched a few bits and pieces, and so I'm not in a position to watch it where it would make a lot of sense, I guess. Or I'm just not ready to watch it. There's lots of things to watch at the minute. Yeah, no, I mean, I I don't know how they all fit together. I think I'm up to date, but I could be wrong. I think I mean, Andor is before, like it's a prequel to the original 70s trilogy, I think, but... Uh, yes, it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's set before the um, the rebellion kicks off sort of thing. So yes, it would be, and then it's... There are characters that tie into the other mm. spin-offs and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's all right. It's good. Um, episode six was really good. It was it was a really slow start. So one to five were um who was it? Dave, Dave Kelo was um, was tweeting about this. It's like, okay, so episode four, we've got a plan. Episode five, this is that plan we were telling you about. Episode six, <laughs> let's go over the plan again. Um no, it wasn't quite that, but episode six got really good. The plan actually happened. There was yeah. know, action. And then seven was a bit, oh, oh, we're back to this again, are we? Um, You've had your and, action. Calm down. <laughs> yeah. And eight, I think, comes out this week as we record. Uh, so I will have to wait a couple of days for it to turn up on dodgytv.com, um, where, <laughs> where I watch mine. Um, but yes, it's very nice. It's uh, Obviously, it's an after, after bedtime show. Um, the current Mrs. Len has no interest in anything science fiction or indeed fantasy harry potter never heard of the fella star wars don't be silly that's pretty much where she sits on these things um so when she is up we along with the rest of the united kingdom uh, with the possible exception of tj are watching strictly come dancing uh season 279 or whatever it is um where it's um it's become the sort of standard bearer for inclusivity on tv um, which I've got to say is great. I mean, it's, it's a fabulous thing. Uh, but at the end of the day, it is a bunch of people who can't really dance learning to dance. So, <laughs> um, and then the British public confounding everybody by voting for who they like rather than... Who's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so every week, I, I kid you not, every weekend I have to listen to my wife say to me, but it's a dance competition. 
No, it's not a dance competition. If it were a dance competition, you wouldn't have a public vote, would you? The public vote is, this is a popularity contest. But it's a dance. This is why it does so well. Do it. Um, the best thing about it is, um, for those who don't follow it, don't worry. Um, they record the main show on Saturday night. Um, and it goes, well, it, when it goes out live, pretty much. And then the results show comes out on Sunday night. Except they've shot it saturday night so the public get a little bit of time to vote uh the votes are all sort of counted up and then the two people lowest in the table have to have a dance off and one of them gets sent home it's all very emotional um <laughs> but because of the way it's done sort of about an hour after it finishes on a saturday night i mean way past my bedtime um the various and sundry sort of twitter spoiler accounts have got the result and start spreading it around for those who want to know it. Um, and my wife doesn't know how to use Twitter, so she's just constantly infuriated that I know who's going to be in the dance off and who's going to win. <laughs> do you do that? Like you look at the TV, you hold your your fingers to your champion. Like, mm, I'm feeling it's this couple this week. Mm, <laughs> yes, the vapors are telling me. No, again, it's one of those wonderful things that happens to... Oh, this will happen to you one day, TJ. We've been married long enough. We have the exact same conversation every time. <laughs> so we'll sit down and she'll go, do you know the result? Yes. Who was it? I'm not telling you. Was it so-and-so? I'm not going to speak any more on this because I don't want to spoil it for you. <laughs> A frosty silence will ensue for about 30 minutes and then it'll be... So is it so-and-so? I'm still not going to tell you. <laughs> I, I, that's little things for little minds. So I've been watching that. Um, and, uh, well, I, anybody, I think a lot of the world have been watching a political party committing Harry Kiri in slow motion. Um, that's been, I mean, if it wasn't so damaging to, you know, real people with real issues and real mortgages and, all that stuff. I mean, it would be hysterically funny. Um, I mean, the without getting into it all, because I mean, a we're not a political podcast, and b take hours. Uh, the thing that la made me laugh the most was a Twitter thread that I saw where somebody said, uh, "Because what happened? Okay, well, I have to do a little bit of politics. <laughs> there was a um, a vote uh, from this sort of clearly stumbling government led by somebody who." Obviously, didn't have a clue what was going on. Uh, and the opposition party, the Labour Party, uh, tabled a motion about fracking. Now, they did that because they know that most Conservative MPs don't want fracking. Because Conservative MPs come from constituencies and constituents go, no, I'd really rather you didn't split up the land in the hope some gas would escape and you would catch it. Don't like the sound of that. Sounds really bad for my house. Right? So nobody wants fracking. Everybody wants the energy, but nobody wants the fracking. And so Labour set up this motion, which was essentially something that had trap written across it in 55-foot-high letters, saying trap, trap, trap. But the only way that this would work as a trap is if the government was stupid enough to say this is a confidence motion which means that your, your party, your colleagues in the Conservative Party, must vote against it 
Because if they don't, then they're not showing confidence in the government. That's the only way this trap would work. So the guy in the Twitter thread said, this was like something out of a Roadrunner cartoon. Trap coming in 10 miles. Huge trap, five miles. Look out for the trap in four miles. Massive trap in three miles. Don't get involved. Do not call a confidence. But they called a confidence, right? And instantly the government just dissolved and shredded. And I mean, there, there was actually the stories of uh, Therese Coffey, who was the deputy prime minister at the time, uh, manhandling Tory MPs to get them to go into the correct voting lobby, i.e. to follow the, follow the instructions. Oh, dear, oh dear. So um, it's all terribly, terribly sad. And now the the people who've taken over again at the time of recording, that's um, Rishi Sunak is now the Prime Minister. Um, so we've got sort of, we've got two chancellors of the Exchequer now. We've got one sort of very cautious fellow and another very cautious fellow. One of them is the Prime Minister and one's the Chancellor of the Exchequer. And they're restoring order. And their, their approach appears to be just to sort of make everybody think that was all a bit of a fever dream. <laughs> you, you remember Dallas when Bobby Ewing came out of the shower? Uh, that, that was kind of, kind of it. That's, that's what's happened. You've all just had a little bit of a funny turn and normal services now been resumed. <sighs> it is fascinating. Meg, Meg and I were talking about it briefly the other day and she'd said, you know, the the poor polit- politics students they're going to have to study this in ten years time and be like what? I'm sorry what pardon <laughs> what happened uh, in terms of if you look at the the scale of things so much has happened in such a small space of time mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the most astounding things about it um, but you're right it, it sadly has really really negative impact on normal real people and that's the worst thing about it so I'm hoping that things normalize and stabilize and. You know, indeed, and of course, we've all got a general election to look forward to in a couple of years. Lovely, super. Well, I don't know what I'm complaining about. I live a thousand miles away, but <sighs> anyway. So uh, that's kept me kept me engaged in the world of politics in, in a mm. way that I haven't been for a long time. Um, what about listening? What have you been listening to, TJ? Ooh, so have you heard of the musical genre lo-fi? L-O-F-I. I have indeed, yes. Yeah, so that, mostly. Um, nice background music, uh, rhythmic. It's got a bit of a beat to it. The songs are all interchangeable. The sound's negative. I don't mean that in a negative connotation. They're very thematically similar, uh, but they all have a certain vibe about them. They're very easy listening. They're very cool and calm and collected. And it's great music for doing stuff to whether that's work or just relaxing or reading or whatever it doesn't get in the way and it's also interesting enough that it's not just background noise mm-hmm. um so we listen to a lot of that meg's getting into it as well it's nice to sort of throw on in the background uh while we're cooking or, or if i'm you know in the, in the middle of the afternoon for sitting in the office together um it's not intrusive enough that if you forget to turn it off during a meeting it's not loud enough and it's not intrusive enough that it doesn't really impact so it's not too bad. Uh, and then another song, which I actually find because of uh, watching Westworld, uh, Just Give Him Whiskey by a band called Colorbox. Not a band that I'm familiar with in any way, shape or form, but uh, this song, Just Give Him Whiskey, the, the, the title and indeed a lot of the samples from it come directly from Westworld. 
uh, the movie. So they've lifted all these these bits. So uh, the the two kind of male characters that they visit Westworld in the film, they go into this uh, saloon. And uh, it's quite a funny moment, actually. And they, they sit down. And one guy's been there before several times. Uh, and he's brought his friend. Who's, this is his first visit. And uh, they sit down. And uh, the guy who's been here before is, you know, orders whiskey. And the other guy is like, yeah, give me a, a vodka on the rocks just to twist a lime. And this really complicated bar order. And this is a thematic, like, 1800s Western saloon. Mm-hmm. And the, the robot bartender kind of looks at him like, hmm? What? <laughs> so... He turns around, the, his friend turns around and goes, just give him whiskey. Just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a point in the movie. It's great. But they use this sample in this song. It's really good. Again, it's not quite lo-fi. It's kind of a similar vibe. It's sort of um, like electronic music, kind of funky, sampled, interesting stuff. So one that came about when I was Googling about something else and, and cropped up, but worth listening to. Really, really interesting. Cool. Um uh, well, I haven't been doing much music. I mean, I, I've been all about the politics uh, podcasts. So there's a couple that I'm recommending to people if they, they do want to get sort of quick snapshots of what's going on in the, in the weird and wacky world of British politics. Uh, one is called News Agents. Um, oh, yeah, you told me about this before. Yeah, it's about half an hour. It's uh, John Sopel, um, Emily Maitlis, who are both... Uh, ex-BBC journalist and uh, I forget his name which is terribly unkind of me but some some fellow from Sky you know uh, this newfangled television stuff um, but very interesting sort of inside track stuff and then um, if you're uh, looking for some more uh, Alistair Campbell he's he's a name that will will rile some people he was a spin doctor for Tony Blair uh he does one called uh the rest is politics um it's him and rory stewart there you are um ex-soldier he did some um some great documentaries on afghanistan he's a study of history and geopolitics a student Mm. of history and geopolitics uh so the two of them chatting because they are from different sides of the political divide um they they get into some stuff that i don't know helps elucidate um and the other one i've been listening to is a thing called high performance plus uh or peak performance i think it's peak performance is the name of the podcast uh and it's another ex-bbc guy whose name i haven't written down again which is very careless of me um but they are talking to uh, i suppose inspirational people jake humphrey his name is he used to be on uh, the BBC News. Um, and so the last episode was with Ryan Holiday as a guest, uh, he of all the stoic writing. And the one before that was Lindsay Burrow, who is the wife of Rob Burrow. Uh, was very famous, well, very famous if you like rugby league. So uh, very famous in a very small circle. Um, a wonderful rugby player who um, is currently, um, well, I suppose dying with uh, MND, motor neurone disease, which is a, oh. a horrible disease. Uh, and it's a, it's a conversation with his wife about how they've, you know, faced up to this, this terrible fate. Um, and before that was a guy called, the guest was Danny, Danny Cipriani, who um, is the, was a wonderful, wonderful rugby player who just kept getting himself in trouble 
and um, you know misbehaving and drinking too much and just never quite fulfilled his um, his potential. So it's it's talking about that. It's talking about um, challenges, overcoming challenges. There's a lot of Stoic philosophy in there. It's mm. I, uh, it's it's interesting. Not necessarily uplifting, <laughs> but it is uh, it yeah. is worth listening to. So yes, I've been pff, spreading my wings podcast wise. I'll be back to the usual nonsense about Apple later. <laughs> actually. Now, what about reading? Have you been reading any books, DJ? Have I been reading any books? I have been reading some parenting books. There's a, a sort of a slew of them running about the house. Some were given to us, some we bought. Um, trying to get a a grasp on what it means to be a good parent and what that looks like. And mm-hmm. uh, the consensus is there isn't one. Um, Excellent. <laughs> there's a lot of different opinions, ideas, concepts, none of which are, well, some much be bad. None of them seem disingenuous, but there's a lot of thought on this. And it's one of those things that is very individual and you've got to kind of figure out what parent you are, what kind of parent you are and how you want to be. And and then that doesn't necessarily gel with how you act because it's all well and good to be like, yeah, I'm going to be super chill and never get annoyed. And then you get stressed and then everything happens. And, you know, these are these are things you can plan for, but not forecast. So, I'm trying to read. I'm trying to educate myself. I'm trying to get a good rounded picture of what people who know more than me say and think about this. So, yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's it's a nice topic, one that I haven't really engaged with before. You know, it's one of those you might have been given advice, but it's not really relevant if you're not trying to start a family. So, it's not necessarily taken in, I guess. So sure. it's it's interesting. It's interesting to look at something you don't really know anything about or you've you just sort of tangentially touched on once or twice before with with younger siblings or nephews and things like that. So, yeah, it's it's a learning experience and I'm all for learning. And I mean is I mean th- the the date must be be fast approaching now is mm. is everything in place on the logistics front and I think so, yeah. I mean I I have planned, I have organized, I have scheduled, I have uh, laid out i have planned to the nth degree and i'm fully prepared for life to punch me in the mouth and say no that's not what's happening so you've so, done all the hard work on the on the spreadsheets and, and yeah. meg is just slacking off and doing the delivering the baby <laughs> i would agree with you as a joke i will not because my wife may hear this super hearing from miles away and she will beat the both of us for for even hinting at that so uh no <laughs> <laughs> Meg is doing wonderfully. Uh, we had our, our, our most recent antenatal appointment the other day. Um, baby is trending tall uh, from from the measurements I've seen. They are they are potentially quite tall, um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing or not necessarily a good thing. It's just a thing. Um, so yeah, she's doing well. I think it's just getting to the stage now where first uh, of December is kind of when we're we're aiming at. That's our nominal date. So it's harder to get up and do the things she's used to doing. And sure. uh, yeah, she's on maternity leave soon, which is good. So she'll be able to put her feet up and do less, which I'm looking forward to because she still does too much. But um, yeah, just in awe of her capacity and confidence and capability and just, just a wonderful person. You do really have a good appreciation for your partner when they go through something like this that you're like, yeah, well, yeah, I really don't have an awful lot of <laughs> like effort in terms of the the skills here, there's a there's a marked dip on one side, and and the other one's hanging with his <laughs> oh, feet. Oh, I don't know those Excel sheets, TJ. Poor, they're hard work. 
<laughs> yeah, when I bring them out and show the midwife, she'll be like, uh, sir, shut up. Please go away. <laughs> yes, in true Irish fashion, just go and be somewhere else, please. Thank you. <laughs> well, I will not be allowed to go somewhere else. Megan will be, I will crush your hand rather than you leave. So I, I'm looking forward to um, doing what I can to help in the, the most useful sort of husbandly way. Have you considered buying a gauntlet? You know, sort of yeah. <laughs> something metallic. Yeah, it's one of those fake hands. It's Halloween, right? So get one of those fake hands that she can crush into powder, and then I'll just sort of hold that, and then when it's done, I can come in at the end. Just maybe get a couple, yeah. To, yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep swapping them in and out. Well, very exciting. It'll be very mm. exciting. Um, we're, we're all desperate to find out if it's going to be called eighteen or fifty-seven. Or <laughs> yeah, well, you know. We don't know yet. There's there's a slew. They might have 15 middle names. Who's to say? Ah, uh, yes, indeed. That, well, that's all the rage as well, isn't it? Uh, well, I haven't been reading anything as exciting as that. Um, I, I've been reading the the latest Ryan Holiday book, um, mm-hmm. which is Discipline is Destiny. He's doing the, uh, what do you call them, the cardinal virtues, um, sort of one by one. And I, I don't know. I just get the impression that he's regretting promising to do that it's just, <laughs> going, oh, do it again now um but no it's it's a great book um discipline is destiny discipline not being uh nobody has ever written a report about me saying oh well it's his self-discipline that keeps him uh keeps him going that's that's his strength nobody's ever said that um and the other one for sort of light relief is Colditz, um f- about the castle and indeed Prisoner of War Camp of the same name, um, by a guy called Ben McIntyre, who's a, he's a man who clearly likes his research. Um, I mean, some of the stuff is just brilliant in this book. It's um, if people don't know, Colditz was a well, is a castle um, in what used to be East Germany. It's sort of uh, south of Leipzig, and um, it was they put all the troublesome prisoners there. So the ones that kept trying to escape. Um, from prisoner of war camps they put them all together in colditz because they thought it'd be a good idea to put all those guys together um who thought that i i still don't quite understand but some of the stuff these guys used to get up to is fantastic um and i'm just getting to the sort of latter part of the book which is um i don't know if you know tj do you, did, did you ever play a game called escape from cold it's a board game when you no were i did my this is one of those things that i knew of it as I got older because of the the history, but before it would have just been something my parents said. And this is me extrapolating from unknown variables. So if you left too many lights on in the house, I would get the line, you know, what do you think this is? This isn't cold. It's which presumably <laughs> is because there was, you know, spotlights and, you know, lots of lights lit up. Um, yeah. So that was my only, you know, sort of, uh, contact with the term until I got a bit older. And I was like, Oh, this is, because that was either Colditz or Blackpool Illuminations were the two. Yeah, you know, sure. Don't leave so many lights on, blah, blah, blah. So um, only later, what is it like? Oh, this is this is more than just um, an energy saving technique. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the great thing about Colditz, I mean, if you look, the, you've got these guys who have shown incredible bravery and ingenuity in, in fashioning these ways to escape. So where do you put them? You put them in a castle. A castle that's got false walls, secret passageways, sort of lots of little hidden away, difficult bits, corners, etc. Um, and the uh, the the commandants used to see it as a bit of a game. 
And so he would study the uh, escape attempts and, and pretty much put up a new searchlight every time he found a new weak spot. Um, <laughs> and so it was all it was all a game of cat and mouse. And in the early days, when the war was going, I suppose, you know, very much for Germany, um, there was this incredible sort of honour code where they would have a truce over Christmas, um, where where the various groups, so there'd be the Brits, the Dutch, the Poles, they would all agree not to try and escape. Uh, and in return, the Germans would have light guards on and everybody could have turkey on Christmas Day. So it was all very, very nice. And there was a French cavalryman. And this is the best one. This is so French. Who was, uh, he's, he's, an, he's a master escape artist. And he's looked around, he's looked at all the weak spots because they're all doing this. All these prisoners are trying to work out. And he went, right, I'm going over the fence. And the, and the British guys went, what do you mean you're going over the fence? Ridiculous barbed wire, 28 foot tall. It was silly. And it, he was quite an athletic guy. And he got one of his mates to essentially boost him. So he runs at his mate who's standing <laughs> at the bottom of the fence, jumps onto his onto his sort of clenched hands, and he gets catapulted over the fence. Somersaults, lands, runs, Switzerland. Boom, done. <laughs> <laughs> from, from Switzerland, he goes to the United Kingdom because France is occupied and he can't go mm, home. Yeah. Uh, so he goes to the Free French... <laughs> And De Gaulle in London gets himself an apartment in Kensington somewhere, writes a letter to Colditz, the commandant, asking for his trunk to be forwarded. <laughs> and they did. They sent him his luggage. <laughs> Here's your pressed uniform, sir. Sehr gut, Café. Yeah, yeah. Hope not to see you again, yeah? <laughs> I mean, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It does um, read a bit like Blackadder or something, doesn't it? it I, well, that part is, and then it gets into some of the darker stuff. Um, yeah, because obviously prisons are, are pretty, pretty nasty places. Um, but then, if you if you played the board game, then you would know this. The at the end, it became a purely British prison. Um, they they sort of split up the races, um, and the final escape attempt from Colditz was they built. Are you ready? They built an aircraft <laughs> i've it, heard this yeah in a prison no but it's true they built an aircraft in a prisoner of war camp and essentially they all sort of grabbed onto the thing and said right come along chaps jump <laughs> jumped off the top of the cars <laughs> oh how fantastically british anyway so that's what i'm reading <clears throat> <laughs> yeah and you're enjoying every book every page well, yeah, I, and I'm enjoying some stuff I didn't know. So, um, mm. Douglas Bader, have you heard of Douglas Bader? Nope. Um, you you, you will recognise the story. He was a fighter pilot who um, got trapped in um, a downed fighter and lost both his legs. Oh, and then he was um, able to pull higher G-forces because he didn't have the blood rushing to his feet? Yeah, yeah essentially, he then became an ace uh, with no legs. Um, and he was eventually captured and imprisoned in Colditz, um, where he where he tried to escape and all that stuff. And he, you know, he's he's very much a sort of boy's own character. Um, but the the book doesn't sort of shy away from pointing out that he was all of those things and a prize won. I can't use the word I'm going to use. Um, I, I'm not a very nice person with it. 
let's leave it like that, um, which uh, was confirmed to me by a friend of mine here whose wife's mother knew him. So there you go. <laughs> Tangential connections. Exactly. Six degrees of separation and all that. So what about drinking, TJ? What have you been drinking? Have you been <laughs> ploughing into the Australian lagers? Uh, no, the Australian lagers, and you're, you're going to laugh at me and perhaps criticise me for this, but they actually went out of date. Like, and I, I know, I know that you. I texted you. That I sent you a picture of the to, the to do list. The uh, the best before, not best mm. before, used by. The important distinction. Uh, date on the bottom of the can, which had passed on the date that I sent you this photo. And he went, "Oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Drink, 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 drink." I don't need alcohol that much. I really <laughs> don't need to find out how bad old beer can be. So uh, I got rid of them. Uh, so. Uh, <laughs> Just in time, in fact, for Meg, uh, we had some people over and uh, she she bought, um, oh, is, it, what is, it, is it Bud Light? It's another beer, very, very similar sort of makeup. And so I have just as many cans of that now <laughs> sitting in the fridge. <laughs> oh, well. Have you checked the date? Have you, I think have they're you got good until next year. Yeah, okay. No, I look forward to binning them next year. That's, that's my, my New Year's resolution is that I will uh, put them into the sink in 2023. I mean, you do know that the nuclear fallout shelters were equipped with canned food because it lasts forever, yeah? <laughs> yeah, but they weren't equipped with canned beer. <laughs> well, I don't think there's any difference between beer and tomato soup once it's in a tin, <laughs> to be honest. This, that, see, that quote right there could land you in a lot of trouble if you don't, if you don't finish it off. I don't see the difference between tin soup and tin beer. <laughs> well, I mean, the soup would taste a lot better, but um, <laughs> now Foster's might... Uh, well, uh, yeah, well done. <laughs> <laughs> I outlasted the, the the beer. There you go. Uh, and yeah, well, I mean, obviously, I now approve because I'm I'm back on my my health kick. So um, <laughs> alcohol is the devil's work, you know. Um, so, but I have. I was delighted. I was in the the local supermarket, which I'll give a plug. It's Lichiotis. It's my local supermarket. Um, I've mentioned this place before. It was a shack when I was out here in the eighties. And it's slowly taken over pretty much 75% of the village now. Um, and you can you can walk in to one side of Lichiotis and walk for about four miles and come out the other side of the village without ever having left the supermarket. <laughs> it's bizarre. Um, but uh, they had uh, this stuff called Seed Lip. I don't know if you've come across Seed Lip, mm, but it's... Yeah, I think um, we have a bottle downstairs. Well, there you go then. Uh, alcohol-free spirit. Um, they've got... I don't know how many variations, but I mean one of the, one of the ones I bought had number one hundred and four written on it. I can't imagine mm. they've got one hundred and four variations, but it's a sort of ginny type thing. Um, and yes, it means I can have sort of sophisticated spirit and tonic sort of drinks without having any alcohol, which is it's nice. That suits me perfectly. Um, so I've been drinking that, and I've just now um, had a Heineken zero zero. And next time I feel that you've got the wind in your sails and you're chatting, I'm going to sneak off to the fridge and get another one. <laughs> so. Ah, yes. Well, this could be my moment, in fact, couldn't it? Because, TJ, have you bought anything of late? <laughs> well, funny, you should ask. I uh, might have, yeah. So I'm, as teased, I'm recording on three different devices. I'm, I'm talking to you on my phone. I'm recording the podcast on my iPad Pro, and I'm writing the show notes on a third device. And the third device happens to be a MacBook Air M2 in midnight, 
with lots and lots of nice things added on to it. And it was, you know, a reasonable amount of money. Uh, it was an investment, but yeah. I haven't had a laptop in a long time, uh, so it was nice to get one. And uh, yeah, I'm using this for for studies going forward. And it's one of those ones where I was like, you know what? You know what? You know what? I really want one. And I rarely buy anything of this kind of caliber in terms of cost. So it was, okay, you know what? We will get this. And then we'll worry about it. And then we'll think about, well, do, do I really need this? Do I really? And then we'll, you know, not quite backtrack, but consider it a couple of times. And then finally land on, no, 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 it's okay. You deserve it. It's fine. It's okay. So I got an M2 MacBook Air. It is a beautiful machine. It is a fingerprint magnet, as everyone who has reviewed one has said. <laughs> um, but the battery life is astounding. So I was using it the other day for some light web development, some light browsing, just normal, normal laptop stuff. This isn't a powering machine. This is not a pro. And the battery, so I installed a little thing that tells you the sort of estimated battery based on um, current capacity and discharge. What do you think it was listing as my 100% charged? This is how long you're going to get from this battery. Um, three chancellors and a prime minister. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. See me out to Christmas anyway. Um, 20 hours wow. of not standby, 20 hours of using battery with the current load, which is mad to me as a, a battery powered thing. And this is thin, like it's about a centimeter thick, basically. It's probably more than that. It's thin. And it's light and it's nice and it's swish and it's dark midnight colored. and Yeah, just being able to do stuff and not have to charge this is kind of mind blowing. And so whereas before the, you know, the laptops I've used for work or the laptops that I've owned, my last MacBook was 2011, I think. So, you know, that was not an all day job. That was a, you bring the charger because by the time you get there, it's being plugged in. And by the time you're leaving there, it, it's kind of. Yeah, it still needs sure. to be plugged in. This is, uh, you know, I charge it every other day. And, I, and I'm trying to retain the battery. I'm trying not to overcharge it. Mm. So if it's sitting on 60% battery, it's like, happy days. That's two days. You know, <laughs> if that's Bizarre. that, you know, that, that's three or four days on standby without doing anything. Or it's, you know, two days of, of heavy use. And it just, it just keeps going. Now, I opted for the one with slightly better specs just because i'm going to use it for some light production stuff but i mean this isn't a machine that's going to need i don't need the pro so this is always going to be like a obsidian web dev notes uh, web browsing all that kind of governs that you normally do mm -hmm. and so for that it works really really well what i do notice is that unoptimized apps run like trash unsurprisingly uh whereas optimized apps run like a dream so Microsoft Teams mm. is horrible. <laughs> yep. It's kind of like taking a, a road flare and setting your battery on fire. It's just not, I mean, to be fair to it, it, it did eat the battery, but I did a five-hour uh, Teams call the other day, which was onto itself an experience. Wow. But I did a five-hour Teams call and the battery was at 50% afterwards. Mm. So it ate the battery, but it's still, you know, we could have done 10 hours. I couldn't have. The laptop could have. <laughs> so, yeah, it, you know, things like Teams are not optimized very well. Um, other apps, like all the, the Apple stuff, the native stuff works beautifully. I'm using Safari as a primary browser. It runs beautifully. Um, doing anything 
you know, like Obsidian runs really, really well on it. Ulysses runs really well on it. Visual Studio Code runs really well on it. It's just, it's just nice. It's just a nice connected experience. And I installed the new one. Is it Ventura? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I installed that as well. So I've had a little look at stage managing the other bits and bobs. But I mean, some of the stuff, some of the things you get, which are just like quality of life improvements, like see being able to select text and images and videos. That is so inherently useful so many times a day. You're like, I just need, oh, I can just do that. Oh, okay. You know, that that's the main thing that, that excites me about using this versus you know the Windows computers that I would use for work. It's just nice to use. It it sort of tries to anticipate what you might want to do and then makes that easier. So yeah, I, I'm really pleased. I'm really enjoying it. It's worth the money. And uh this is sort of a five to seven year laptop for me, so it's not a an expense made lightly. Very good. Well I'm I, given given where your life is likely to be heading um mm. in the coming years. I, yes, I suspect you'll be hanging on to this one for a while until Yes. So yes, this this one will do me well until uh, I think definitely into primary school, maybe into secondary school for the win. <laughs> we will see. We will see. Well, it's it's actually. I mean, I've got. Um, I think we probably spoke about mine before. I'm using a a studio. Mm. Uh, so sort of the the big silver box. Um, and as you say, it's it's the difference between apps that is most striking. So if you using anything that's Apple native or designed for Apple, then it's brilliant. Everything yeah. works lightning fast. I can't I can't do anything on this machine that can stretch it. It's got 32 gigs of RAM. What the hell am I ever going to do with 32 gigs of RAM? <laughs> Who knows? So that's all fine. And then Moriarty turned up today. The nemesis arrived. Somebody sent me something I didn't even know existed. It was a macro-enabled Word document, Microsoft Word. Um, and it okay. was essentially, it was a really awkward-looking sort of um, document with boxes on it and text box and uh, almost like a flow charty thing. And somebody wanted me to to edit this, which on any machine is a nightmare, but on an Apple machine with it's slightly not quite the same versions of every, oh, the, the, I could hear, I could hear the lip curling on my studio. I could hear it get, no, seriously, get this Microsoft nonsense away from me. And I, <laughs> oh, I sent it back and said, these are the text things that you need to put in. That's where you need to put them. Get somebody else to do it because I'm not going to. <clears throat> anyway. I've never heard of a macro-enabled Word document. Word is, I have had two experiences with Word recently that are not inspiring. Um, one of them was a form. Um, now, Microsoft Word and form are have never really belonged in the same sentence. Maybe in the sort of late 90s when you needed to print a form and you could typeset it in Word made sense. This was a digital form meant to be filled out digitally. And so, you know, that thing where you have just lines and lines and lines of hyphens meant to yeah. emulate where you'd write with a mm -hmm. black pen that you then have to delete or intersperse your words between. Oh, horrible. So, yeah, believe it or not, there are better ways to do that now. And the other one was someone sent me uh, what was 100% meant to be an Excel document, but it was in Word. So 
It had all the the many benefits that Excel would bring, you know, being able to sum things, being able mm-hmm. to select columns and, and rows. And it, it put all of that into a table in a Word document, meaning I could do none of that. Yeah. It's like, why? Why? When, when, and it's not like, maybe I'm in the wrong here. But if <laughs> the package you have has two programs and one of them is meant for what you're doing and one of them is objectively not, why would you choose the one that's not? Why would you do that to me? Why have you personally attacked me with this decision? I just, it's difficult. You wait. You wait. One day, Cosgrove, I'm going to hit you with a word macro-enabled document. <laughs> suffix doc m. That's the suffix. Doc m. <laughs> yeah. I'm, oh, I, I'm looking at it now, and uh, honestly, I'm shuddering. There's... <laughs> Accessibility? No, 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 no. Compatibility? What's that? No, oh, just no, no. just from a, from your designer point of view, you would look at this and go, "Who did this and why?" <laughs> this is a war crime. What have you done? Yeah, this. I'm, I'll try and describe this. This sheet, right? This is great podcasting. But there are there are six boxes on this yeah. one page. So at the top, you've got all the way across the width of the page, you've got a little red text box, and the inside there. There is some centralized text saying you must do this. All right, okay. Now, then beneath that, I have three boxes, all of different sizes. <laughs> of course. Um, what they have in common is the top right hand corner and the top left hand corner are right angles. And the yeah. top left and the bottom right are curved. Oh, yeah, that's a default shape and word that is useless. Okay. So so I've got three of those across. One, um, none of them are aligned exactly. So, <laughs> No, no, why would they? Why the, would they? The, bottom, <laughs> the bottoms and the tops don't, they're not the same size, and the bottoms and the tops do not align. Then under that, you've got two sort of big overly things. These are cornered, curved corners all the way. They're yeah. side by side, not aligned. Yeah, of course. The, 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 wide, uh, the line breadth on each frame is different so you've got a thin line on one and a thick line on the other they're not justified (laughs) (laughs) and then beneath you've got another one of those little red boxes but in the little red box this time we have gone for that funny shape again um whereas the red box above we had rounded corners on all of them (sighs) so i i don't know who set this document up (laughs) (laughs) and who they hated but it was and may well have been you (laughs) but yeah i mean honestly i spent a good hour and a half until i i I then said right stop this spent eight minutes writing the the text for which i'll actually get paid and said right put it put it where you like on that document but do not i'm afraid i can't do it i think it's a mac thing i said ducking um so so for me, what have I been buying? Um, I've been buying all the bills. Um, mm. I, as I said in the show note, I, if life is a game of Monopoly, um, I've just just pulled the house repairs card from Community Chest um, and gone, oh. And then I've landed on TJ's hotel on Bond Street. And he said, <laughs> that'll be X thousand pounds. Just every time I turn around, I'm hit with a new bill. And oh. they're, they're just irritating size ones like um whatever i've paid three bills now on some gates in the uk not one not two but three um wait three gates or three bills on one gate 
three bills on one set of gates. So they they got. So you got Bill Gates. Hey. Bills. <laughs> um, they got damaged in the storms way back at the beginning of the year, and I got uh-huh. um, because I have someone managing the place. It, com- communication can sometimes go wrong, so I got sent a quote to to fix it up. And I thought, oh, okay, cool. So I paid the quote, and they fixed it up. And then another quote arrived, and I went, "What's this for?" Oh, that's to fix the electronics. Oh. Was that not done? Yeah, so I've only fixed the sort of the little wooden bit. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay, cool. So I paid that bill. And then when I was back in the UK on a trip, I sort of, I was walking, walk, well, I was driving past the, the house and I looked and the, and the gates weren't aligned. So I thought, oh, it's a bit odd. So I got in touch with the... Um, <laughs> the manager of the place and said can you get on to those guys and say you know come back and fix that because you know i've paid them a lot of money now I'd quite like it to be fixed um and they came back and said well we can go back uh but we'll have to charge you the call out charge if it turns out that the gates are warped and so both me and the manager went back to them and said well You've been there to repair the gates twice. <laughs> you should be able to tell me if they are, are they warped or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and so the the ensuing sort of you know to and fro and the usual stuff. So they agreed to go back and uh, confirmed that they were in fact warped. And now the agent has gone back to them and said, "Well, here's photos of them before the storm. Look, they're not warped." <laughs> I put it to you <laughs> that when you repaired these gates. Somehow you warped them, or you didn't fit them properly. Uh, so that whole thing is raging onwards. Um, and just before we were recording, I was outside in the dark. Um, I was, what's that sound? What? What is that? And water mains in Cyprus are uh, are just sort of black hose pipes, and the water comes into my property uh, at another gate, funnily enough, and then goes through a meter. And then it splits. So mm. the main line goes into the house and then a line runs up the sort of side wall, um, providing some taps at the back uh, for for keeping the pool topped up and stuff like that. And I could hear what can only be described as a hiss. And I thought, oh, no, there's mm. a leak. And sure yeah. enough, there is water sort of firing out all ways from this pipe. And there isn't an isolation. I can't turn that that pipe off. Unless I turn the whole house off, which would not go down terribly well with the government's land. So, um, trooper that I am, I went out there with some proper, proper packing tape. <laughs> I wrapped that red. And so now the water is firing off at funny angles. I mean, that's yeah. pretty much what I've managed to achieve there. Mm. Um, so that'll be another bill for tomorrow. Or another well, yeah, you've... you've- You've pulled all these Monopoly bills, but if uh, the UK system is anything to go by, you'll eventually get a free McFlurry from your fries because they're doing that thing at McDonald's again, so you'll be sorted. Well, uh, I mean, indeed. And, of course, the great thing is that uh, with with the, the recent sort of movements of sterling, I, I have to, to spend a lot more home money to get any foreign money um, <laughs> yeah. these days, uh, as anybody buying field notes will, will attest mm. Oh dear. So yes, just just one of those days, weeks, months, quarters, years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I gave you a wonderful quote all from Galileo. And what have you got for me? I have one from Kierkegaard, which is life is not a problem to be solved, but a reality to be experienced. 
Easy for you to say. Well, yes. But that is part of the experience, isn't it? Messing up and ignoring your mistakes and glossing over them. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm i trying to I'm trying to live that a bit more to, to actually enjoy the the rough edges sometimes rather than trying to, to fix it. That would be my, my default position is like, okay, I have a plan, sort this, fix this, sort that. And, and very much always trying to moderate, modulate, fix, uh, attenuate everything. Sometimes it's nice to be like, you know what, just calm. Mm-hmm. Just experience, just go with what's... And it's it's a skill, right? Relaxing and, and not feeling like you're obligated to do things is a skill in the same way that being very proactive and always jumping up and getting things done is a skill. I think I've gone so far one way that it's hard to to do the other without practice. So I'm trying to practice. And I think it's a useful skill, given the books that I've read recently as well and the the people that I know in my life who are parents. It's a useful skill to have with children because it's not necessarily, you know, the logical argument doesn't win when they're having a tantrum in Tesco. You can't, well, that's, you know, the philosophical condition, sweetheart, is not really such that this is an effective measure of your time. You're like, no, I, I want sweets. Why don't you buy me them? Mm-hmm. You're not you're not going to convince them with logic or stoicism, so you might as well just lean into it sometimes. Absolutely, yes. I mean, uh, all all the best sort of memes of that are are the parents sort of getting ahead of the game and having a tantrum themselves. <laughs> yeah. No, I want the sweets. <laughs> yeah. And sort of yeah, jumping up and lying on the floor, um, and apparently it, it sort of dumbfounds the child. <laughs> yeah, it's it's embarrassment brinksmanship. Just be like, uh, you know, I'll go there. I will go there. Don't, you know, I am your parent, but I will go there. Yes, that's probably why, I, why, why fate has not allowed me to be a parent. Because <laughs> I suspect there's nowhere that I wouldn't go. Uh, it would be, <laughs> Try me. It would be very unfair for the child. <sighs> well, there we go. Very good. So, parish notices. Mm. Yeah, they released a bunch of iPads without telling me. Didn't realize yeah. it was right. Uh, yes, uh, uh, coloured, I'm told. Mm. Bright yellow and all sorts. Pink. Uh, I think there's a blue one. I don't know. Yeah, it was one of those weird moments where I would not... I, I like Apple products, right? But I wouldn't consider myself a fanboy. I, I do sort of tend to hear about stuff uh, because of the people I know and because of the things I read and because of the things I watch. So it it was one of those weird moments where I was like, the, the new M2 iPad... What? Oh. Oh, these came out of... Presumably, they were well announced and talked about around the internet, but I hadn't heard of them. And so yesterday went back because I was sort of nominally waiting for the new Apple TV to see if it would be worth um, mm-hmm. changing one of my, my Amazon Fire Sticks over to that and sort of moving ones around the house in that way that you do when you upgrade one item. And so I was nominally waiting for those and those dropped as well. And I was like, oh, OK, interesting. Let me let me do a bit of a deep dive. I'm not convinced. I'm, I might buy one. I might not. I got a voucher when I bought the M2, which is great. Um, so I get a little bit of money off um, if I want to make any more Apple purchases, which cover the guts of a um, one of the new Apple TVs. But I don't really need it. Um, but it was just strange to not have. I, I I knew that we might have been releasing stuff this year, but I just did not see these coming. So it's fun to be like, oh, OK, Justin didn't tell me about these when he was off buying his watch. <laughs> yeah, well, they came out after that. They? they they were yeah. basically independently released as a little um, little little drop. Yeah, there was you know I think it was just a press release. To be honest, there was no. Oh, okay. Well, maybe that's why I missed it. But um, yeah, I 
I might get the new TV. I'm annoyed that the... So I, I use the one that we have downstairs. It's the 2021 version, uh, 4K Apple TV, and has Ethernet because it's mm-hmm. right beside where my uh, fiber comes in. So I'm able to plug it directly into the network and get good speeds because mm-hmm. that would be our main consumption device. That's where we watch all of our films and stuff. So I want it mainline to want it attached in, give me all the, the data all the time. The new ones, there's two levels. And the lower one, which is slightly cheaper, which I would normally have gone for because I don't need the storage capacity, mm-hmm. doesn't have Ethernet and doesn't have thread. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, now yeah. I'm kind of obligated here. So, yes, it's starting at 139 or whatever it is, but really we're at 169. Mm-hmm. So I might not buy one. We'll see. We'll see. I'll probably buy one. Who knows? <laughs> Well, there we are. Apple sneaking out software without Cosgrove approval. <laughs> yeah. Well, that notice. Yeah. Anyway, what about you? Uh, well, it's it's half term week. Um, mm. uh, I think in the UK and here, because Mrs. Um, yes. works at a sort of UK curriculum school. So yeah, um, we had one of those fantastic sort of married couple communications. Um, we just didn't. <laughs> oh, and dear. so I, I think it was probably Saturday or Sunday. Um, so I went, okay, well, it's, it's half term week. What are we going to do? Right, well, um, I'm going to go to work. Um, <laughs> I'm not a schoolboy. And so I golf. don't. <laughs> mm, um, yep, no, no half term here. <laughs> go to thank it. And then, and saw the look in the eye and thought, although I could <laughs> probably do with a little bit of downtime. I think that's a R and R, you say? Yes. Ah, and started furiously cancelling things, uh, sending people mails. No, I can't make that comment. No, no golf. Never heard of it. Um, Half term, don't you know? Yep, did all that. Uh, so you coming to this uh, this 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 world renowned golf coach who's coming talking and we're I no no. No, I'm not. But you were really excited about it. No, 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 I wasn't. Um, not a half term, surely not. Um, and so tomorrow is beach day. We're going to go down to the beach. It's the sort of end of the season. And there's this really posh beach bar with lovely beds and all that stuff. And mm. and, and so when Mrs. L went, would you like to do a beach day? I'd love to do a beach day. That'd be great. I'd rather poke my own eyes out than go to the beach. Um and so that was all sorted. I moved a, a few things around. And then um, today I got a text message saying, I've booked myself a facial. We'll cancel the beach. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, okay then. Right, good. So um, to, to all my clients out there, you're going to be getting your work a little bit early because I've got a whole day to fire at it tomorrow. Um, <laughs> Can you get back onto the uh, the golf tutorship thing? <laughs> <laughs> that's friday evening i really would be pushing my luck um and the other <laughs> the, the other thing was that because it was half term mrs l decided to accept all invitations so um on friday we're out for a curry um Ooh, in, very nice in paphos which is like an hour and a bit's drive from here but that's fine um and then on saturday i'm playing in a golf tournament at a at a sort of another golf club and there's lunch. It's, it's called the Masters, the Ilea Masters. Mm. So that's all very jolly, golf, food. Then I get back from that, have a shower and off for dinner I go. We're going for Thai, apparently. So they'll be rolling me into the restaurant by this stage. I would have thought, <laughs> oh, I've just eaten a big golf club lunch. Um, 
And then, um, what do we go? I think we, there's something else Asian happening. I think we go to a Chinese restaurant. It's all about Asia for me this mm. weekend. Excellent. Uh, and then I'm not going to eat at all next week. That, that's <laughs> yeah, that's you sorted. You got in hibernation after that. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll have to. I've, there's there's certainly <laughs> enough to keep me going till spring. To be honest, mm. um, maybe the beaches being cancelled is not a bad idea. Right. Well, there we are. I mean, well, by our own standards, this is pretty pretty average, really. Hour ten minutes, and we've arrived at Neander. the topic. Good lord. <laughs> what are we going to talk about tonight? Oh, first of all. Do we have a sponsor? Are we being sponsored by Heineken Zero Zero Pampers? <laughs> not currently. Oh. Unless there's something I'm not aware of. I hoped you would have opened up a whole new sort of realm of opportunities for us with the, with the whole, you know, <laughs> baby making thing. Ah, well, never mind. We just have to do the topic. What are we going to talk about tonight? Well, this episode, I maybe I'll change the title again for the third time. I had to. Um, wasn't sure which one was best, but it came off the back of uh, a little trip that I took last week, week before, um, started sort of middle of the month. We are now, time of recording, 26th of October, coming up on, on spooky time Halloween. But earlier in the month, uh, I took a trip with my dad and my brothers, and uh, it was one of those holidays where you're doing an awful lot, and you're you're, you're active, and it's... It's a fun holiday, it's a cool holiday, but it's not necessarily a relaxing holiday. And that's been my experience a lot. We do an awful lot of stuff on holiday. And so the two titles I have are Sojourning for Fun and Relaxation. I did consider Sojourning for Fun and Profit, but it seemed disingenuous. Uh, And the second half of that title is, semicolon, The Value of Doing Nothing. And I thought, given your proclivity for uh, walking on holiday... Um, our holidays about walking and my experience uh, boating, which is what we were doing. We were on Loch Earn, which is in Fermanagh. Um, Loch Earns, there's two of them. And uh, it's a very active holiday. There's a lot of stuff in it. And yet I think they're very different for, you know, for as many things that are similar about them, I think they're very, very different types of holiday. And I'm just curious to think what you think about it, because I came home from this amazing trip and needed a holiday because I was absolutely exhausted. Mm. And nothing, nothing is worse than coming back from holiday and going, oh, mm, oh, dear. Work Monday? Tom- tomorrow? Oh, <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, no, I'm not ready for that. I need a week to lie in the sun. Well, should have thought about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I suppose, really, holidays as we know them or as i know them they got popular in um you know in my youth the package holiday was born i guess yeah uh and you know the whole sort of idea of let's run away to somewhere to the sun became uh achievable for for many people whether that be mm. you know southern spain or further afield um my first holidays would have been I think Weymouth, went to Weymouth once, um, had a lovely holiday on the beach. I remember all that. We were staying in a B&B. Um, we went back the next year and it rained solidly for a week. Um, <laughs> That's England. Yeah, and, well, I mean, it all worked out well for me because on the way home, we picked up a Yorkshire Terrier puppy, which was my Aww. first dog, um, uh, Lindy. 
Little Lindy. I was I, so that was the best holiday ever because I got a dog out of it. That's amazing. Um, was that sort of as as an apology for the rain or just unrelated? <laughs> it was kind of it was kind of compensation. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but then after that, you know, it's we we began to to travel a little bit, and that's where the whole sort of do nothing holiday came from. I guess the mm. right. We're in the sun. That's it. Enjoy the sun. You know, this, this is our summer <laughs> holiday, which is why you will find, you know, British people. Yeah, it's only raining a little bit. It's fine. Just put the towel over you. Um, that sort of stuff. Because that's what you you paid for. That was your thing. Um, and I guess that, you know, if you were working, you know, at a physical job, um, you were exhausted, you know, you were sort of physically doing stuff all the time. And, you know, you, your commute was involved you know, a 25 minute walk and then a bus. Um, because in those days, not everybody had 17 cars and all that sort of stuff. Um, it made a lot of sense. But as I got older, you know, sitting around doing nothing is largely what you, me and many other people do for a job. <laughs> I would be mad if you weren't right. It's, you know, I mean, okay, yeah. I mean, I appreciate we think and we do all that. What, what, what do they call us though? Knowledge workers. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, muck about with keyboards and all that sort of jazz, but yeah. there's not an awful lot of physical stuff. And so a holiday for me is is getting up and doing things, I guess. That's sort of my default now. When when the current Mrs. L and I talk about holidays, um, the first thing is if you go and live in somewhere that for a British well, person is, tr- is traditionally a holiday sort of uh, destination. Yeah. Um, you're like, oh, well, what are we going to do? Go go to the beach in Spain? Why? No, you need to go to like Hinslow or something. You need to go somewhere, <laughs> somewhere the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah. So so that's the first thing. You think, well, I don't really want to go to the beach. So if I want to go to the beach, there's one down there. You know, I, could, I, can, oh, I can't walk to it, but I could drive to it in five minutes. Um, so... That sort of makes you think again. And then what are the other options? Oh, well, let's go on a cruise. Mm. Right. So essentially you want me to go and stay in a block of flats that floats. That's what you're telling me? <laughs> um, and... Again, you got to, mm, I can't fault you because it isn't necessarily wrong. Which <laughs> <laughs> is, you know, it's not something that appeals to me. Is you know, it's a bunch of people who I may or may not get on with. And I'm going to be having lunch. Well, breakfast, lunch, and dinner with them every day for the next 10 days. Uh, no, thanks. Um, and then uh, sometimes, you know, I'll say, well, let's go to, to a city. Let's go, I don't know, let's go to Madrid. But Margaret and I have different interests. Um, I like walking. She doesn't. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I mean, bless her. She's got, she's got back problems. It's, she can't go and walk 20 clicks in a day. Um, and so it's, mm, yeah. And, and we nearly always arrive at the same point, which is, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go and do this. And why don't you just go somewhere else and do something else? Because, <laughs> um, you know, she'll she'll want to go and uh, visit her family or go to parts of Sicily that, you know, mean something to her because of you know, antecedents, as it were. Mm. Um, and, and I won't. So, yeah, I uh, the idea of going on holiday to... Uh, a beach or anywhere that involves not doing very much. The last time we did that, I think, was probably 20... I'm going to say 2013, something like that. 
2013, we went to Mexico um, and stayed, uh, you know, in a, um, a posh sort of, well, we thought it was a posh hotel until we found out it was full of sort of American corporate travel. So we had the the American version of the quick fit fitter of the month um, competition going on and <laughs> lots of, <laughs> they were down for, you know, a four day hoolie where the company was buying all the drinks and my God, did they take advantage. Um, <laughs> but that was the last time. And yeah, I'd, oh, I'd, I'd be terrified with the idea of going to a to sort of traditional um package tour i'd find that really difficult and we went on honeymoon for example we went to the Maldives. it was absolutely gorgeous it was fantastic the island i think had 30 35 rooms something like that so mm. that the, there was nothing to do you could scuba dive you could yeah. snorkel you're surrounded by this amazing ocean and sharks and all this wonderful stuff um, but it was really all about lying around and going this is so chilled. This is great. And I loved every second of it. If you said that that's what I was going to be doing now for two weeks, I'd be like, oh, <laughs> oh, must I? Yeah. And it's it's funny the way you react negatively to something that sounds objectively nice. Mm. Uh, and it it is strange. And I hadn't considered the fact that you live basically in a paradise. Um, like for me, sunshine would be nice. I don't, I don't generally like going lie on a beach holidays, but I mean, I don't see the sun nine months of the mm, year, so it would be sure. nice to see it now and again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, again, I, I hadn't considered the the arithmetic wasn't necessarily the way I expected because of the where you live already. But um, it's it's funny because you, you go for these holidays and there is that image of a package holiday that is, you know, food, beach, and not an awful lot between them. You kind of go from one to the other and yeah. then sleep. And that, that's great. And I know a lot of people that do really enjoy that. It's not something that I have done a bunch. I think we went a couple of times uh, on sort of family holidays a long time ago. Meg and I have never really done a holiday like that. I think the closest we came was years and years ago when we were students who went to, that would have been Venice, I think, in, in mm-hmm. Rome. Uh, sorry, Venice in Italy. <laughs> and uh, we went to Rome as well, which is why I'm getting confused. Um we went to Venice and we stayed in like a camping resort outside of the city. Mm-hmm. And so they had a pool and they had like uh, loungers and things like that. And I think we sat on them for two days, like after we'd been in the city all day. And it was like, oh, right. Now, actually, you know what? I'd rather go and sit with an espresso uh, beside the canals because it seems more interesting. So we didn't really do an awful lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, our holidays are a lot of walking. And, you know, New York was our last one and it was just walking. We sure. walked over a hundred miles in the the week that we were there, and that's you know walking is one thing. I know you've done the Camino several times, which is all about the walking. Uh, but you know, I was chatting. Meg asked me what the topic was, and we were walking the dog earlier, and I said, "Oh, you know, the difference of holidays and things like that." And Stu's done the Camino, and Meg was like, "Yeah, well, we walk a lot as well." I'm like, "Yeah, but," and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I suspect that the Camino is a lot more calming than. New York could be in terms of like, yes, you're walking a lot, but you're kind of just walking until you get to a town. Then you're like, there's one hotel, there's one restaurant. So that's dinner and bed sorted. Shall we go? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the uh, I, I suppose the Camino, uh, what the Camino offers you is is the purpose that mm, is different. Yeah. So I mean, I'm not a man of faith. And I, I think Stu, Stu is uh, in his own way. 
Um, but in a very British way. I mean, we don't ever talk about it for heaven's sake. Um, <laughs> but the the people walking the Camino do it for a, a whole host of reasons. But you're all walking the Camino. You know, yeah. That, that yeah, is yeah. a unifying thing is that you're all going ultimately to, to end up in Santiago um, either one month from now or like us doing it in stages and you're all broadly walking along the same route and going to the same places and you know competing for beds um and <laughs> and so there is that sort of uh spiritual is the wrong word but that sort of shared purpose that i think yeah helps and some of the walking is uh is desperately unpleasant <laughs> um you know i loved i loved some of the the terrain that we covered um and walking through the 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 pyrenees was incredible but heavens it was hard work i mean that it's the first day of the camino if you do the traditional route and it's i mean it's up tj i I mean proper up (laughs) um this is not a hill um this is definitely a mountain and um, you're walking up it and from, oh, this is the south of France and isn't it very warm and lovely and sunny? It's, oh, it's freezing and I'm standing in the middle of a cloud. Um, <laughs> um, and, you know, there were times when I was, you know, sort of looking at my 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 belly thinking, regretting every beer that I'd drunk in the last six months, thinking I'm, I'm having to carry, I'm literally carrying that beer up the Pyrenees. Um <laughs> And then when you get to the meseta, which is the sort of middle section of the Camino, um, it is, uh, it's like walking through the great wheat fields of America. It's, yeah. it's flat, featureless <laughs> and dull, um, but it's also very hot. So you're just sort of trudging at that point. It's one foot in front of the other. And that whole monotony thing does something to your mind and your mind yeah. goes off to places. And um, But as you say, at the end of it, you get to the 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 target town or village um and you you realize how much you enjoy simple food and a, and a bottle of water and not standing on your feet for a <laughs> not um, walking <laughs> yeah so you know that that i think is a is a unique sort of addition um to to walking well i know people who walk everywhere you know they go every mountain range they can find they go walking through it yeah um, and i think it's partially that sort of that connection with nature but i'm like you with a city you know I, I would happily walk around new york when we were last in london i walked around parts of london that i'd never walked around before yeah it's um, invigorating it's exciting it's that kind of there's always something that you've never seen or something you've heard of and never experienced and yeah i i love that sort of intellectual uh, excitement and the 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 it's constant buzz and excitement and i mean Belfast is a reasonably sized city, but it has nothing on London and London has nothing on New York in terms of scale. So it's it's levels of like, oh, oh, okay, there's a lot happening here. And it did get to the point, you know, we were there, we were in New York for 10 days. And by day seven, we'd sort of, you know, time out, you know, the the uppercase T with the two hands. We, We needed some like quieter days because A, we were run off or walked off our feet. And B, it was just mentally, it was so much, so much happening, mm. so much to experience. We kind of just needed a breather because otherwise I felt like my head was going to explode. It was it was amazing, but it was like trying to drink from a fire hose. So we definitely needed to take it slower. 
and I find it you you said something earlier which I thought was really interesting the idea that we do knowledge work right we we sit around uh, in a chair thinking for most of the day mm-hmm. and so taking my holiday somewhere where I stand around and think all day probably isn't the most conducive to calm and relaxed uh, and perhaps I need a bit more lying down but um it's definitely not my go-to and uh, sure. it, it's interesting to see the difference um but focusing on something physical, you know, whether that be, you know, mm. driving a boat or um, walking around somewhere. Yeah. Um, but getting, you know, more exercise than one would normally expect uh, during the way. I think that that does represent a yeah. holiday to a certain it extent. Does. And I mean, the, the uh, holiday we were on, my, my dad and I and my two brothers, we'd done this holiday before as a family and we wanted to do it again. Um just as just as something to kind of bring us together and something nice to sort of spend a bit of time on, um, and it was great. It was really good. I was there for a week. They were there for ten days. I had to go back to work, so I, I stopped off a little early. Um, and I, I might have talked about this before in the podcast. Do, do you know roughly where I'm talking about in Northern Ireland when I say Lockern? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. So for those listening, it's two lakes on the west side of Northern Ireland. Um, they're they're basically just big extensions of the River Urn. Uh, but they're, they're the most Northern Irish named things. So there's Lower Loch Erne and Upper Loch Erne, right? So the bigger Northern Lake is obviously called Lower Loch. Of course. Um, and the smaller Southern one is Upper Loch, naturally. Um, of course. Because they it flows north to the sea, of course. Not the North Sea, mind, because that would be... The, not the North Sea, but north to the sea. Yes. Um, just... <laughs> just to keep it just to keep it consistent um, into the irish sea off britain <clears throat> yeah <laughs> yeah now you're getting it now you're now you're understanding the level to which i'm trying to, to get it um one of the things i didn't actually know and we did stay there we, we we basically we rented a cruiser boat and we drove around all these different places boated around i don't know the terminology um but it, it mostly involves cruising finding somewhere to go cruising along the boat and then tying up and, you know, exploring, going and seeing stuff. It it doesn't sound as sort of intense as walking uh, the Pyrenees, but it does take it out of you. There's there's sure. a different energy. It's a little like fancy camping. You know, you're sleeping in a boat, yes, with lots of lovely amenities, yes, but in effectively a field. You know, some of the bays that you park in are completely in the middle of nowhere, and it's gorgeous, beautiful, beautiful landscape. and um, you spend an awful lot of time, you know, we're going to go here and should we do this? And you're looking at the weather and in Northern Ireland, the weather's normally bad. So it's like, okay, well, if we want to go here, that's fine, but we can't sleep there because if we tie the boat up there, it might be there in the morning, but we will not have slept because it'll be so noisy and so rough that none of us are going to wake to sleep. So there's a lot of like, we got to plan this and we got to do this. And then there's literally, you got to jump off the boat and pull it in and tie it up and you know, we had a little dinghy as well, so you go off on that. And it, it's a whole thing. It's a whole spectrum of holiday that we're not used to. Mm-hmm. And it's fantastic. It's really, really good fun. But we got to the end of each day and it was like, it's 9.40. I need to go to bed. I haven't gone oh, yeah. to bed at 9.40 in about 10 years, uh, but I have to now. Yeah, no, I mean, the uh, <laughs> we used to laugh about this on Camino, but by nine o'clock, it's like, um, and these are, you know, Stu and I are possibly two of the hardest drinking men you've ever met. We, <laughs> we've, 
you know, on occasions we've gone out drinking on a Friday and not come home until the next Thursday. I mean, and, and for <laughs> us, for us to turn around at nine o'clock and go, no, 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 I don't want another glass of anything. I'm going to bed. <laughs> you know, and one would look at the other and go, are you sure? Uh, yeah, I'm absolutely positive. And then, yeah, you're right, actually. Um, no, I mean, as it happens, this this Camino will be interesting because neither of us drink anymore. So quite quite how we're going to make that work, I don't know. But um, it's that whole, um, it's a different type of exhaustion that you get from doing all of that stuff. Um, I think it, that's where the holiday element comes because your brain, literal mind at least, literally shuts down. So it it deals entirely with all of the logistics and the right, where are we staying? Have we got yeah. a room? Do we have to fight for Germans for the room? Is it <laughs> is it a big room where everybody is going to be breaking wind and snoring together, or is it a private room? You know, all of those types of things. Let's get all that worked out, and then walk, put left, right, left, yeah, right, left. All of that just takes over to the extent that when it comes to dinner and they say, uh, would you like to have the chicken or the beef? Yes. <laughs> What's there? What have you got in your hand right now? <laughs> I, yes. Which? Don't care. I, my brain is not interested in making any decisions. Put stuff in front of me and I will eat it. Put stuff in that glass and I will drink it. And, and that's, <laughs> as you say, you come back, or I used to come back thinking I really needed a day off and you know, I was very lucky in that I would always have a couple of days off where I was doing nothing but put my feet up, which, <laughs> um, you know, laptop on the on the lap, but you're back to work again. But yeah, I, th- I think that it's that different type of fatigue is what I seek. Yeah. And it is good. It is good for the soul, I think, and good for the the sort of the spirit in terms of like, you feel better for it. Even if you don't feel physically better for it, you feel a bit knackered, but you feel like you've, You've gone out and experienced something and seen something. And I mean, for me, I still find the history and the heritage and the, the little things that intrigue me everywhere. Even even in the middle of <laughs> the lock, you find stuff. And one of the ones that I thought was really interesting that I thought you would appreciate. Um, we actually stayed here one of the nights and didn't realize until afterwards. I don't know if it's exactly the same spot, but it's it's basically in the same area. Have you ever heard of um, RAF Castle Archdale? Yeah. Yeah. So. It was uh, an airbase based uh, on the lock uh, in World War Two, And we stayed in Castle Archdale, the little marina there. So it's just around the corner. It's either part of it or, or beside it. I don't actually know. But one of the things I thought was fascinating was that during World War Two, so the the lake, the lakes are basically on the, the westmost side of Northern Ireland. So beyond that, you've kind of got Donegal and then you've got the sea. And... Um, one of the the interesting things that happened was that boats based there, they had a lot of, um, what do you call it, like flying boats? What are they called? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, flying, flying boats. boats. Yeah. Um, so they were, you know, submarine hunters and uh, spottering planes and all this kind of thing based out of Northern Ireland that would then need to fly across the Atlantic. And so to do that, there was a secret agreement with the Irish government that allowed these flying boats to basically just fly due west right across neutral Ireland into the Atlantic, which avoided like a two-hour detour up and over and around, you know, to the north coast of Northern Ireland and then around the island. So basically, Ireland was neutral, but it was like, okay, don't tell anyone, but just go west. Go, 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 go. Don't tell anyone. Go to the straight line, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, it was called the Donegal Corridor. 
and um, fascinating history of like, this is literally on my doorstep. You know, well, not literally on my doorstep. It's figuratively close to my doorstep. Um, and it's it's fascinating, the, the history that you find in these places. And you, you boat past stuff and it's a nice tranquil lake. And you think, 1943, this was a very different scene. And a very different place. Um, so, yeah, just... Uh, those are the moments that I, I find fascinating. You, you're you're doing something, exerting yourself and enjoying yourself with your family. And you find these little moments. Like, oh, OK, that's an interesting story. I like that. And that's, I think, me finding the things that I appreciate when traveling, regardless of where I am. Sort of like in spite of it being an, an empty lake, I find some tidbit of culture to, to read about. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's weird, actually. There was I was having a conversation with a friend um earlier this week and he's uh well i was gonna say he's like me all right so he's old um he, he's got a business uh that kind of works without him you know he he works from home and home is here he's he's married to um a russian woman uh that he met in moscow he used to work in moscow and they they live on a resort here so it's it's where I play golf actually. Um, so it's a golf course surrounded by lots of nice villas that are you know, vastly overpriced. It's it's a whole little economy of its own, but it, it's kind of like a fenced off place. You know there are there are there are guards on the outside. They don't check anything. They just wave at you, <laughs> but it makes people feel safe. Um, and he said to me, he said, "But I feel like my life is drying up because." He's, he's basically living in a cross between a holiday resort and an old people's home. Um, because you don't find many people at 25 who've moved into these types of resorts because A, they're hellishly expensive and B, you know, they've got real jobs in the real world. It's it's, it's a very privileged <laughs> place to be. Um, and I said, but, you know, I don't, I don't get to go to the theatre. And, and I said, well, you know, why don't, why don't we organise? Because I live near... Limassol, which is a proper city that's got, you know, people and theatres and all sorts. Most of the the culture is not in English. I mean, it's in Greek. Surprise, surprise. But there's a load of stuff. It's a real city. You know, it's a real world. And I said, we, we should organise to go out and, you know, go and see. I'll take you to some real restaurants, to some real um, galleries and things that, that do exist. It's just you, you wouldn't know because you live in the middle of a, a resort. And he said to me, he said, well, so I'm thinking of going to um, spend six months somewhere. You know, he said, you were in Bristol and it sounded really, really interesting. It's a really nice place, Bristol, isn't it? And I went, yeah, I think, I think he had a son who went to university there. Um, so he's, he's thinking of sort of taking six months to go and live in Bristol and, you know, continue to, to run his business off, off his laptop, uh, but just sort of have a cultural time before then coming back to his sort of resorty life and I was I was sort of listening to him thinking wow that sounds like such a good idea <laughs> um and, and you know it was sort of I sort of got into it and I went well if you're going to go with somewhere beginning with a b can I recommend Bilbao give Bilbao a go because Bilbao is where all my Caminos start oh well all the, the last ones started um and it's an incredible city it's got I mean, it's got a Guggenheim um museum it's some of the best food you'll find anywhere in the world is is around Bilbao. There are Michelin stars everywhere. Um, the northern Spanish are wonderful people. They're just 
brilliant sort of sailor warrior poets they're lovely fantastic and they live life as life was designed to be lived you know 10 o'clock at night there will be granddad the parents the kids all out together doing doing the la passeggiata walking around um waving at all their friends in the bar sitting down having a coffee maybe having a glass of wine talking and laughing and all the family together, everyone, the two dogs, the cat will be with them. I mean, it's just brilliant. It's wonderful. <laughs> um, and I said, oh, you should go and live there. And I said, oh, actually, I'll tell you what, if you're going bees, what about Budapest? I mean, I love Budapest. And I started waxing lyrical about Budapest. And he said, well, so why are you here all the time? I went, um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, and I said, okay, well, two reasons. One, the current Mrs. Lennon. The current Mrs. Lennon looks very, very askance at suitcases. She's mm, not a huge fan of the suitcase. I, I've said to her on many occasions, well, let's let's tour Sicily, right? Let's go here, and then we'll drive to there, and we'll drive to there. So we're going to be living out of a suitcase. I said, well, yeah, kind of. I mean, you know, you take it into the new hotel. I'll carry it, don't worry. And <laughs> and you unpack the stuff, and, you know, what, what about washing? I said, well, you, frankly love you get someone to do that for you you put it all in a bag and you give them money and they bring it back clean and ironed it's great you'll love it mm, no, mm. She, she really doesn't like the idea she's really uncomfortable so I'm like, okay so we've all sort of put those ideas to one side uh, and the other reason is the dogs um mm. I, know, I know this because mrs lennon today was like should we go out on christmas day no i'm spending it on my dogs <laughs> I, said, oh. <laughs> I had no idea i felt that strongly um so, but yeah, it has got me thinking. It has got me thinking about, you know, maybe I should be a little bit more, let's get an Airbnb for a few months and go and stay here and go stay there and perhaps, you know, see a little bit more of the world. Mm. And then, then he said, he said, oh, he's a pain in the backside. And uh, he said to me, so, all right, you can do anything you want. Nobody's going to object to you. What holiday do you want to take tomorrow? And I said, I want to do the, the Via French... Uh, Francigana, Francigana, I don't know how to say it. And he went, what's that? And I said, well, you walk from Canterbury to Rome. Oh, wow. And he went, what, in one go? I said, well, yeah, I mean, you stop at night. but <laughs> Not in yeah, a day. <laughs> just just one go, you know, you just, <laughs> off you go. That, that, given a completely free hand, that's what I would do. I would pack, I would pack a little rucksack um, and I would get myself to Canterbury and then walk to Rome. I think that would just be absolutely fantastic. Um, wow. It's a, with, I've just looked up a map. It is a trek. Yeah, so. it's, a long, it's a long old trek. It's, uh, it's, it's about 50 days, I think. Is that all? It's, um, I, think, um, I think it's about 50 days you can do it. The, um, the Dover Crossing might be more problematic to walk, but the rest is all right. I'm a pilgrim. Of course, I can walk on water. <laughs> but yeah, oh my! Like looking at the map here, that's amazing. And um, well, that's basically it's the, the old pilgrimage route. I mean, it, yeah, it, it is a it is a route. Yeah. So you're basically walking. Let me try and describe this. Excellent podcasting as usual. You cross uh, Canterbury to Dover, Dover to Calais, then basically walk down through France past Belgium. Um, it's ninety days. All, yeah, 90 days. Then into Switzerland, it looks like. Then into Italy. 
and then basically circumnavigate the boot of Italy to get to the heel to Rome. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but this is the thing that will get you on it, Cosgrove, right? Are you ready? I mean, notwithstanding the fact you're about to become father, but following the historic route recorded by the Archbishop of Canterbury, Sigaric the Serious, <laughs> to present himself to the Pope John XB. What's XB? Uh, B's uh, former partner. <laughs> well, I thought it was Roman numerals until I went B. <laughs> B was B. Anyway, XB in 990 AD, the Via Francigena takes pilgrims from England through France and Switzerland before culminating in Rome and Italy. 2,000 kilometers. Well, just Is that all? Did it twice. You have to walk. Would you get a flight back? Knackered at that stage? I oh, know, you have to walk back. No, I think I think I'm pretty pretty much I would walk back. Yes, I don't think I'd be going. Uh, oh, sorry, fly back. I don't think I'd be going back to Canterbury either. I'd be like, yeah, I think I'll go <laughs> straight to Cyprus now. Wow, that sounds but, amazing. Well, I mean, the current Mrs. Lennon would go. No, I mean that's <laughs> that's that's one thing. Um, a, she doesn't want to come with me, and B, uh, she's not particularly interested in me disappearing for three months. Because the other thing I'd like to do would be the uh, the Appalachian Trail. Oh yeah, and I've heard of that. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, that's pretty long as well. That's the entire length of North America. Um, and you don't, you don't have any of this staying in hostels and hotels nonsense. It's pitch a tent and fight the bears, that sort of stuff. <laughs> that could be your hit song that you write while you're walking a lot. <laughs> well, uh, uh, Bill Bryson's written, written a book about it called A Walk in the Woods. If you haven't read that, I'd, I'd recommend you do. It's very, very funny. I mean sort of rib-shatteringly funny. It's 10 states. The Appalachian Trail, is, is it crosses through more than that, I think, but it's basically the width of 10 states. It's madness. Yeah, it's it's a long, long walk. He only did a little bit of it, but um, uh, s- some people never get, come off it. There are some people that basically walk from, <laughs> from the top to the bottom and then go back again. 21,000, 2,100 miles. 2,190 miles. Yeah. Oh, that's, I mean, that's a stroll. And like I say, it's, it's not hostels all the way. It's out in the woods. Nature's hostel. O- over mountains and all that jazz. Oof. My, my. And yet, that sounds like the least relaxing thing, but the most mentally restorative thing. Yeah. I mean, you know... The the things I always come back, and we've spoken about them before, but you know, I I come back thinking, is there any way I can can just do without a mobile phone forever, or just just have? <laughs> yeah, it's it's after a, a Camino that I get my little dumb phone out and start using that um, before I suddenly find myself in the middle of a city in Cyprus with no idea where to go, and I go, oh, I'll just Google my. Oh no, I won't. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's uh that more and more uh, the older i get the more a holiday is escaping from all the things that i realize or i don't realize that i don't like in my life mm. i guess you know my working life and working life i suppose it's being beholden to someone that is the the most wearing and taxing thing is being beholden to someone and if you're on holiday or if i'm on a proper holiday i'm beholden to no one with the possible exception of my partner. Yeah. Um, in that you can just, 
uh, in theory, Stu and I could have, you know, gone to Bilbao and stayed there for a week, not walked anywhere. And, yeah. and nobody would be any the wiser. So you know, <laughs> it, it's entirely up to us what to do. And once you commit to something like the Camino, all, all you're doing is saying, okay, we're going to walk from this spot to that spot. Mm. Or if you do it the old fashioned way, you're just going to walk until you go, I need to sleep now. Let me find a bed. <laughs> but isn't it funny that uh, the time element, the limited time, the finite time of it is key because I mean, you could just be on a really, really long holiday, but it doesn't feel like it. You know, because you have the house there and you're there, but you're there every day. It's the norm. It's no longer a reprieve from normality. It is normality. So the fact that the holiday has to be time limited, it has to be finite, has to end or else it's just life. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's a whole episode in exploring how wrong we've got all that. Well, if we did an episode about how wrong we were on a topic, we could probably redo every episode and we'd be set to 500. No, I don't, I don't think it's us that's wrong. I think it's society that's wrong. <laughs> Humanity. Well, yeah. wait, what are we, Stu, if not a small microcosm of society? <laughs> we're into, I mean, I, an example of this, uh, my tiny little learning for the week was that when we had that conversation, um, Mrs. L and I, and she was like, well, I'm on half term. And the implication was, so it would be quite nice if you spent some time with me, you git. Um, and, I, and I was, my immediate response was, but, 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 I've got this organised, I've got that, I've got this, I've got to do this. So, um, you know, we've talked about this before, you know, different apps that you can put calendar things in and you can share mm-hmm. that. And, you know, I, I'm organised, I'm time blocking, I know what I'm, where, blah, blah. and then I thought, hang on, what's important here? <laughs> yeah. What, I mean, Really? And so it literally took me, I don't know, half an hour to, to clear my diary. Now, I, I understand I'm in a very privileged position. But every client that I reached out to said, you know, we got that thing. Um, my wife's off this week, so I'm going to spend some time with her. Is that okay if we reschedule that to next week? Yeah, sure. Do what yeah. you like. No, I'm not bothered. <laughs> um, you know, so-and-so, I'm not going to play golf. Well, okay. <laughs> what do you think? The world's going to stop turning? You know, it... The most important thing was to spend time with my wife because that's kind of what I came here for. Yeah. And she's working really hard in school. And, you know, it's it's so easy to get caught up in all this nonsense that, that yeah. we consider as important. Work for work for work for work's sake. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. There, there, was a, there was a learning point. Good Lord. Mm. Might as well start learning now. You're 210 episodes in. Well, I mean, you, you've got no chance, mate. You've got a little bundle of... Uh, <laughs> chaos uh, attention <laughs> demanding coming yes the, the the little cosgrove or hurricane as they will be known hurricane <laughs> cosgrove <laughs> oh. the value of doing nothing and tj is practicing he's doing <laughs> nothing now yeah i'm just just trying to feel it out see if i like it don't like it yet but we'll see maybe it'll grow on me well i've been Stu lennon and i've been tj cosgrove remember to make the past the present in the future this was 1857